All right, well, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church, and uh, Mr. Henderson's going to be your teacher this morning, so I know that that's going to be a special time, so enjoy, okay? Well, if you have your Bibles, look at uh, with me at Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and I hope you brought your Bibles as uh, we read God's Word to, together, but uh, again, men, this is your day. And uh, God has a lot to say to us as, as husbands, as leaders uh, of our home. Uh, in fact, uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot more real estate when it comes to uh, verbal information, verbal command for us as dads than there is for, for wives. Okay, so we're going to be looking at verses... 25 through 33 this morning. Last week we looked at the wives, and we looked at submission, and the fact that uh, that as as wives that we need to the the Bible commands that you be submissive to your husband. Okay, it doesn't be say be submissive to all men. It says be submissive to your husband. And when you look at that word submit, submit or submissive, uh, it means that you need to voluntarily give yourself uh, to your, your husband. Your husband cannot command it of you to submit. This is something the Lord would have you to do. And it's different from obey. We're going to be looking at children obey your, your parents um, next week, but that word obey is different from the word submit. Obey, you have to do that, kids. But for wives, this is something that this needs to come from your heart, that you voluntarily submit yourself to your husband. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, love, because that's Paul's command to us as husbands that we love our wives. And so if you have your Bibles, let's begin with verse 25, and we'll read through verse uh, 33. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you each one of you love his wife as himself 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this morning we're going to be looking at the duty of the husband. And Paul is very clear in this passage of Scripture. Husband, love your wives. Now, that has nothing to do about authority. That has nothing to do about dominance. It has nothing to do with ruling or subjecting or commanding. Husbands, you are not a dictator. Paul says to love your wives. Husband loves your wives. And so in this text this morning, we see both a command that we looked at last week when it comes to submission and also love uh, as we looked at the husband this morning. And again, these roles are rooted in the gospel. These roles are meant to reflect the Trinity, okay? Uh, Christ's submission to his Father's will, Christ's sacrificial love for his bride and the church, the church's relationship to Christ, and the Holy Spirit enabling you and I to truly love your, our wives biblically. This is all rooted in the gospel. And so as we go through this text this morning, I want us to look at what it means to love your wife. Paul gives us six examples of what it means to love your wife. And so the first example is in verse 25. Husbands, love your wife. Husbands, she belongs to you. This is a singular love. You are to love specifically her. And you are to love her more than anything else. When it talks about a singular singular love, we're, we're talking about purity at this point. Um, it's purely focus on loving your wife. Nothing else ought to compete with who she is as your wife. She is to be numero uno. Okay? This is a singular love. Friends, hobbies, uh, your job, uh, kids, Nothing, nobody is to be more important than your life. This is a singular love. Love your wife. It's an undivided heart. This is God's command for us as husbands. So there's, it means a singular love. Second, it's a sacrificial love. Verse 25 as Christ loved the church. Okay, so this isn't any kind of love. This is a Christ kind of love. And guys, the Bible is setting the bar really high. (laughs) Jesus is our example. 
our love for our wife is to be a sacrificial kind of love. And Jesus' love for the church was the most selfless act of love in all of history. So Christ is our standard, okay? And so, again, this is an impossible thing to accomplish in the flesh. It it all goes back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, husbands, guys, we're going to have a very difficult time in loving our wives. Now what does, again, being filled with the Holy Spirit look like? Verse 19 uh, means being filled with the Word of God. Being, um, uh, God has put a song in your heart. You are full of Scripture. It is it is, is, it is the word of God that's governing, that is controlling your heart and life and, and emotions. So when the word of God is permeating our heart and life, you know what? There's going to be joy. We're not going to be miserable men to be around. I can be a miserable person to be around, can't I, Susan? Don't answer that. <clears throat> But you know what? When I'm living the way the Lord wants me to live, you know, it's easier to be around me. And a person who's full of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a deep and abiding joy. Not only is there joy, but there's thankfulness. Verse 20. There's gratitude for all that God has provided in your life. The the, the wife that he's provided you with, the, the, the children, the life that he's provided you. There's a spirit of gratitude. And then third, in verse 21, there is a submissiveness. You know, it's not just a submissiveness uh, that wives are be submissive to their husbands, but if this is going to work, men, that there needs to be a submissive heart on our part too there's a there needs to be a willingness to there's a cooperation that we're in this together it's not just uh you know all one way no there's a there's a give and a take and a person who's filled with the holy spirit as the husband is wanting to work and cooperate and love his wife okay so when we see uh, this sacrificial love that we love our wives as Christ has loved the church, you've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this on your own. Christ sets the standard. And what did Christ do? The Bible says he died for the church. That's how much he loved her. Uh, you may be called upon to die for your wife. You may not, but whatever, whatever the circumstances, however you're going about living your life as husband and wife, men, we need to be sacrificial to our wives. And so there's sacrifice, there's singularity when it comes to our life in loving our wife. And then the third um, way we love our lives, wives is 
through sanctifying love. Look at verses 26 and 27 again. Sanctifying love, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Sanctify. That word sanctify is, that means set apart. God has set apart both you and your wife for a purpose. And you are the Lord's, and you are each other, each other's. So you need to treat her as having been set apart from the rest of the world. We live in evil days. And as husbands, we need to protect our wives. We need to have that sanctifying love with them, setting them apart from the rest of the world. We don't love them like the world wants uh, you to love your wife or maybe not necessarily love your wife. Our relationship, the sanctifying um, relationship needs to be governed by and transformed by the Word of God. Okay, again, the Word of God needs to um, be saturating our relationship and saturating our, our home. It needs to govern how we live and, um, and love uh, each other. Again, it is rooted in the gospel. Marriage is to reflect the, the Holy Trinity, the Father's love that He has for the Son, the, the Father's uh, and the Son's relationship with one another, that, that submission, that, that respect that is between the two, the, the Son's love for the church and willing to lay His life down for the bride, and then the church's re- relationship to the church, uh, the church's relationship to Christ that the church is to respond in submission. As the bride of Christ, we are to respond in submission to our groom, uh, our, our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is the sanctifying love that uh, Paul speaks about here. And it's only God who can sanctify. Yes, we need to live set-apart lives, men and women, but it's only the Lord Jesus Christ who can truly sanctify, who can purify, who can wash away our sin by what Christ did on the cross. So as we live this sanctified life and display this sanctifying kind of love, as husbands we're presenting our wives unto the Lord without spot or without wrinkle or blemish. And that leads us to the fourth characteristic, the fourth way we are to love our wives. And that is caring. We need to have a caring love for our wife. Look at verses 28 through 30. In those same way, husbands, love your 
in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Paul says there needs to be a caring kind of love. We love our wives as we love our own bodies. We are to love our wives not like the world, but sacrificially and singularly and in a caring way. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. And men, we love our own bodies. You know, when our body has a need, we want to meet that need. If it's hungry, we want to feed it. If it's thirsty, we want to quench its thirst. If it's, if it's tired, we want to give it rest. And just as we care for ourselves, that same attitude, that same caring, that same thought needs to go in our relationship with our wife. Verse 29 says, um, Husbands, nourish and cherish your wives. That's part of caring. What does nourishing and caring and cherishing look like? Look at first first Corinthians chapter thirteen. First Corinthians chapter thirteen verses four through eight. Paul talks about love. We're very familiar with this chapter. <clears throat> Paul says this describes what love is, beginning with verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so in defining headship in a marriage relationship, God desires that love never be abusive, never be overbearing. Never be inconsiderate or thoughtless or harsh or kind. This word love in 1 Corinthians 13, it's a verb. It's, and it's the word agapao. And it means uh, a love that will, will, will love regardless of how the other pe- person um, treats you. This love is unconditional. It, it transcends all other loves. This love is uh, selfless and sacrificial. This is how we care for our life, our wife, men. Look at First Peter chapter three, verse seven. Again, in talking about uh, how to care for your wife. Uh, Peter says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor 
to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This means husbands need to submit to their husbands in a, in a loving way that is sensitive, uh, sensitive to their needs and their fears and their feelings of their wife. Now, it says, as a woman, as to a woman, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Women, that doesn't mean that you're inferior or um, um, not as good as your husband and uh, you just need extra help. No, there's, there's things in your life that you're far better at than he is. But when it comes to physical strength and, and, and our emotions, uh, you are the weaker vessel. You are more tender-hearted. And as husbands, we need to be understanding and sympathetic to that and live with you in an understanding way. That's what caring looks like. And why are we to do this? Because we are both heirs of the grace of life. As husbands and wives, we have been, we have been created in the image of God. And as Peter is writing here, and as Paul is writing in Ephesians chapter 5, it's understood by both books, both texts, that this relationship is between Christians. You know, for, for us to live by these commands, it requires both to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God does not want you and I to be unequally yoked. God wants us to find a, a mate, a husband or a wife who, who is a committed Christian because it's going to be, it's going to require both individuals to live by these commands. But it's understood here in verse 7 that both the husband and wife are heirs of the grace of life. And so we treat our wives, we live with them in a loving and understanding way because they have been created in the image of God. And you and her are both equal in the eyes of God. Oh, you have different roles, you have different functions, but in the eyes of God, you are equal. So caring for your wife. Number five, loving her means that you love her with an unbreakable love. Look at verse 31. Ephesians 5. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This marriage relationship 
uh, is to be permanent. This marriage relationship is to be forever. It is to be one. And understand this, as Paul writes this, that Paul is not accommodating culture. (laughs) In this culture, it's very easy for a, a husband to divorce his wife. You know, she could be, he could divorce her over the littlest thing. In fact, he doesn't even have to have an excuse. But as Paul writes these things to the church and the Christians, uh, this is not the way we are to live, church. We are not to live in such a way that we accommodate culture. Paul goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. 3,500 years earlier when, 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 uh, when Moses wrote this verse, uh, Paul is quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And so when it comes to a husband and wife relationship and the, wife, the husband uh, loving his wife, he needs to love her in such a way that their love is unbreakable. It is one. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to a wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So how do we have an unbreakable love? Paul says it requires a leaving and a cleaving. Okay, those are, those are strong words, leaving. That means that you need to abandon your parents. You need to abandon the relationship that you have had with your parents. Your parents have been your everything. But wives and and in coming into a marriage relationship with your husband, now your husband is your everything. Husband, now your wife is your everything. And so there's an abandoning of, 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 of of the parents, and then there is a cleaving. That word for cleaving is the Greek word proskolao, and it literally means to be glued to. To be stuck to. Not to be stuck with, but but to be stuck to. You guys are now one. And the Bible describes this as a mystery. You know, just as Christ died for the church, and in Christ dying for the church, as we looked at... Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, when Christ died for the church, he, he tore down walls um, and made two different groups one, the Jews and the Gentiles. They used to be groups that hated each other, but when they come into relationship with Jesus Christ, now they're brothers and sisters in Christ. They are one. Well, when it comes to a married relationship, it's a husband and it's a man and a woman who come from very different backgrounds. And you may have very different interests. 
You, you, you don't have the, the same physical makeup. There's, there's lots of differences in our lives, and I don't have to go into those, those details. But with all those differences and those different backgrounds, God is bringing a man and a woman together in holy matrimony, and he wants to make them one. Loving your wife means that you love her with an unbreakable love. So in thinking of that for just a moment, you know, I think there's a message for us as, as parents of married children. Mom and dad, we can't, in, we can't interfere in our children's marriage relationships. And then there's a message for married couples. And the fact that uh, husband and wife, you need to focus on each other. And, and every time you have a problem, don't go running to mom or dad to, to try to, to resolve it. This is between the two of you. And so parents, we need to give our children space. You know, we, we can't afford to just take the side of one person. We need to encourage them to have that unbreakable, loving relationship and not allow us to become a wedge between the two of them. Husband and wives are to be glued to each other. And then the sixth way that we see from this text of how men we are to love our wives is verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And again, it's a mystery. This oneness is a mystery. God is taking two different people and making them one. In church, when we have those kinds of loving relationships, not only does it bow well for the husband and wife, but you know what? It's going to spill beyond the husband and wife relationship. That love, that commitment, you know what? It's going to spill over into the life of the children. Our children are going to be blessed because of a mom and dad who love each other. I can't tell you the number of times growing up as a kid, my mom and dad didn't have the greatest relationship. And there were many nights, um, I was eight, nine, nine years old, I would lay there in bed and I would be listening to them scream at each other. And that developed, it just, there was just a lot of insecurity in my, in my heart and life at that age. You know, was my mom and dad going to get a divorce? And that scared me to death. I didn't want them to get a divorce. And, um, and, 
it was it was just a, a scary time. But husbands, when I, we love our wife the way God says to love our wife, that love, that blessing is going to spill over into the life of our children. And there's going to be a security there in their heart that can come no other way. No money can buy that kind of security that uh, our children uh, need and are looking for. Not only will that love for our spouse, um, this oneness spill over into our children, but it's going to spill over into our children's spouses. (laughs) We're going to love them the way we love our own children. And then as we love our children's spouses, we're going to love their families. We're going to love our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And this love is a gift that keeps on giving. That's what God wants to do in marriages. And my friend, if you're not there there yet at the moment, don't give up. There's always opportunity to repent. There's always opportunity to admit our failure and say, Lord, ask God to give you the strength to do it God's way. Never give up. And so these are the ways that we are to love our wife, men, with a singular love. No competition. Nothing that's distracting your attention. And there's a lot of distractions out there. But our wives need to know that we love them the most. They're at the top of the list outside of our relationship with Christ. Our love for them needs to be sacrificial. Our love for them needs to be biblical, not a worldly love. Our love for them needs to be caring. It needs to be unbreakable. That Divorce is not in our vocabulary that we refuse to separate. And loving our wives means we live as one. Now, verse 33. Verse 33 says this. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So as we conclude chapter chapter 5 of Ephesians, this uh, this marriage relationship needs to be all about submission, love, and respect. Now, maybe you're here as a wife and you're asking yourself the question, well, pastor, you know, what if he's not living up to what the Bible is asking of him. Am I off the hook? Well, let me take you to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Peter says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct.
conduct. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor, you don't know my husband. You know, how can I live this kind of life? How can I voluntarily subject myself to a husband who's, who, re, who doesn't even know God, who, who refuses to obey the word of God? Again, this is impossible outside a relationship with Christ. What the Bible is asking of us as husbands is an impossible task in the flesh. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. That's the bar. That's the standard. And just as the husband needs to be trusting the Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to do what only the Spirit can lead them to do, wife, so you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Scripture is asking you, commanding you to do something that you can't do in the flesh. But praise God, God has given us the resource, the Holy Spirit. And you and I must be dependent on Him each and every moment in the role that he has placed us, whether it be submitting or loving or respecting. And God will use that. God will use that in your marriage relationship and your children who are watching you. God will use it in their life as well. Loving your wives. It's a tall order. And Paul is very specific. Our love for a wife must be singular. It must be sacrificial. It must be biblical. It must be caring and nurturing. It must be unbreakable. And we must live as one. And praise God, the Spirit of God will create that oneness over time. And that love for one another will spill into the lives of others who are coming behind you. May God use this in each of our lives, men. Pray with me, please. Father, I know that uh, as we're here in this place, particularly as men, Lord, we're not perfect. And we fall woefully short. But I thank you that, Father, your love for us never gives up. Your love for us is unconditional. And you are always pursuing us. Lord, help us as men to live up to this high calling. 
Lord, I pray for husbands and wives this morning. I pray that, uh, Lord, as you've spoken to hearts and are pressing on areas where, Lord, that you would have them improve to trust you, that, Lord, they would choose to be full of the Holy Spirit so that they might be able to accomplish the impossible. Lord, thank you for this time of of, uh, reflection in your word. Use it in the heart of each couple and here in this in this service this morning for those who are watching by line on online lord thank you for speaking to hearts use this time of invitation if there's one here lord who needs to make a commitment for christ may today be the day of their salvation if someone needs prayer lord may they they choose to respond and and come to the dining hall and request that prayer that they need, whatever they're going through, Lord. But uh, bless this time of invitation, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.